Okay. Okay, we do one more clap. Okay. <laughs> you ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. This is podcast 39, I believe. And this is attempt 39 to get this podcast on the road after multiple mistakes on my side. But 39, 39 is a number that is 13 times 3. It's a big number. It's close to the 40. And for me, it screams for a debut. It screams for a partner next to me. It screams for a guest, which is not really a guest, but part of the family, basically a brother, just on the opposite side of the world. This is Carson. Welcome to your Back to Warcraft podcast debut. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It should be fun. I, I am a fan of listening to podcasts. I'll find out if I'm a fan of speaking on them shortly, Neil. Yeah, I uh, unfortunately wasn't by your side on Friday at the Back to Warcraft Weekly. And since this has become such a stable in our week that we have a little time together, at least mm -hmm. once per week, I thought, uh, let's let's do a podcast together. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it was, it was unfortunate. It was a little bit sad. That That's sort of been our, our thing, Neil, has yeah. been getting together once a week. It's been, it was a thing before for uh, for the skill cups and all that. And, and I get to watch you play. Sometimes you get to watch me play. It's, it was, it's a bummer to miss it. And we're going to miss it this week as well because I'm going to be away. So two weeks in a yeah. row. It's so sad. Maybe even three weeks in a row. I am invited to a birthday on the 20th. It could be three, but maybe I'm also skipping on the birthday and go to the back to warcraft birthdays. weekly yeah. yeah exactly i don't i don't even celebrate birthdays i don't even like when people say happy birthday to me i prefer it's like when you get a haircut i know this especially but like when you get a haircut you just want people to ignore it and don't even mention that it ever happened with birthdays i'm like don't even don't even look at me on my birthday don't even bring it up i don't i don't want any of the attention whatsoever so i just assume everyone else is like that too yeah it's I'm totally with you there because I think I have nothing to do with being on this world. It wasn't my being. It's my mother's and my father's work. I, I, I did literally nothing to be born. Yep. So why exactly. celebrate that? Yeah, like, you know, the expectation that people are going to give you shit and, you know, give me cake and all that. And it's my special day. It's Some people treat it like their special week. Like, you know, I, I know too many people. You know, my, my family's not that big, but I just, there's so many birthdays. All the people I know online, all the people I know in real life, all the people I play music with. Like, if I have to celebrate all of their birthdays, and they all want more than one day, like, it's their, their special week, their birthday week, people call it now. I literally, I'm busy, like, 150 weeks out of the year. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> That's a little bit too excessive. Uh, my birthday is in July. Please just forget about it. Don't mention it. That would be nice. Also, I'm getting... Uh, so old that a birthday is not a reason to celebrate anymore at all. It's just closer and closer to death, uh, accelerating as well. So yeah, let's just forget about that. But uh, why are you not with me this week? Oh, I am going to Disneyland in oh. California. Oh, it should be fun. I, I haven't been. I went twice when I was younger. The first time... Uh, my dad won a bunch of money at the casino and he dragged my mom who were, they were divorced at the time. Uh, well, they still are, but they were then already. And then my, and my mom was just pissed the entire time. Like she just didn't want to be there. So that was an interesting experience. And then we went a second time without my mom. Um, when I was like in the fourth grade or something, which was, uh, which was a lot of fun. I have good memories of it, but I, I've heard that like, you know, it's your childhood memories. You, you tend to like 
think that if you repeat them as an adult, they're going to be as interesting or as enjoyable. So I'm, I'm ready to be disappointed with how much fun it is, but I am really, really excited. So. so who are you going with this time is the big question. I'm going with my sister and her kid. So it should be fun. Sweet. Who's four? Who's four? It'll be his first time. So it'll be Uncle it'll be Carson. Yeah. Real family man. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. That is a good excuse. A very good excuse yeah. to miss the Back to Walk Revolution Cup. I will miss you, but I'm also very happy for you. I went to Disneyland in Shanghai with uh, Lolliot and uh, Soin and Focus, and that was one of the most magical days of my life. That's awesome. That's all, yeah, that's probably a banger Disneyland, too. It's much better than Anaheim. Anaheim's kind of a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they have, like, two parks in Anaheim? Yeah, uh, California Adventures as well. I don't know if we have passes for that as well. I think it's just the, the main park. But yeah, California Adventures is the one with all the big rides. But I, I like the more thematic stuff, personally. Dude, in Shanghai, they had a Tron ride. And mm. everywhere you go, it's just the soundtrack of Daft Punk is playing. It's amazing. It's pretty dope. Pretty dope. It is. Pretty dope also, apparently, our little discussion in the past two podcasts about uh, my idea of doing custom balance patches. The community takes away even more work of a Blizzard. I said August 1st is the deadline I give Blizzard to do something with this game. And if they don't react until August 1st, then we are taking over. And people seem kind of fond. I heard a little more criticism this week, though. So now I want to know, Carson, your thoughts on doing custom balance Mm, this I think we're going to disagree here, Neil. Um, maybe you'll be able to convince me. But um, personally, not a fan of it. I'm personally not a fan of... I, I do, of course, appreciate a custom ladder. I appreciate being able to play custom games with good pings. All, all the stuff that War 3 Champions provides. The stuff I've never been a fan of when it comes to either custom ladders or, or custom games or, or custom maps is I don't like the, the stuff like Zoom... Um, I don't like custom hotkeys that you can't actually get integrated into the game. And I personally don't like custom patches or balances. And that might just be a personal opinion of mine. But for some reason, as, as someone who both casts and, and plays this game, and when I do play this game, I try to be competitive, even though I kind of suck. Um, I feel like there needs to be, for me to enjoy practicing and trying to improve and play competitively, there needs to be... Um, a layer of like authority where the game's balance and the changes to the game and where the constraints I'm forced to play and come from. And that authority can't necessarily be like community members or community figures. It has to come from like the game dev for me to actually sort of enjoy playing competitively or else I just feel like I'm playing a mod in a way. Um, does that kind of make sense? It's a yeah. personal view. It's a kind of a personal bias, but does that kind of make sense for, for me? Yeah, it totally does. Mm -hmm. I can understand that. I can respect that. Is it the best for the game, though, if we just leave mm -hmm. it in the state that it is? Probably not. I mean, I've said it on my... I've been playing a lot more. I took I took quite a few months off of playing, and then recently I, pl I think I played like 250 games in the past week and a half or something. So I've been grinding... And honestly, the meta kind of sucks to play. I'll be honest. Uh, it's it's kind of it's not like boring. I guess it's pretty exciting from a spectator. It's a very like sort of aggro meta. Um, you know, a lot of keeper harassing. You know, farts your head is a super aggressive sort of play style. 
a lot of expansion stuff like that, which tends to be a lot of trade and and, and aggro games. But uh, to play, it just kind of everything just feels so toxic and abusive um, that I would like to <laughs> I would like to see a shift in the meta. And yeah, I just wish Blizzard was around to do it because also I would also like to play on a on their ladder too because there's probably so many people or not probably I know for a fact there's so many people still playing on Battle.net because if you queue for 4v4 if you queue for FFA you find instantly at least on NA there's so many people so I would love as good as War 3 Champions is them to do their their own ladder and them to do their own balance patches and everything to be combined and then again there'd be that authority of if I'm actually if I'm a grandmaster on the battle the battle net ladder I'm a true grandmaster if you know what I mean so I'd love that to happen but if it doesn't happen yeah it might be necessary we'll see they got some time it's uh two months and three weeks blizzard I hope you wake up our birthday is coming up soon so that is the one birthday I actually care about the walker three birthday so should you blizzard if you're listening get ready with whatever you have one person that already came up with uh, suggest or will come up with suggestions is Remo because uh, he told me this this weekend we were in Berlin for the ESL Meisterschaft final we will talk about that uh, in a bit but he told me in like a uh, half a sentence like yeah I sent I sent my balance suggestions to Blizzard like what what did you do A show me B make content out of that so Remo will release his uh, balance feedback ideas. Then I will react to his balance feedback ideas. Then you will react to the balance feedback ideas. Then I will react to the reaction of your balance feedback ideas. It's it's a content loop that we're getting into soon. Very good, very good. Yeah, as a standard. Now, do you have... Um, this is obviously sort of probably the first step to how you do those those balance patches. Um, do you know how those would be implemented? Like, would you get a, a panel... Of people would it be you know remo plus grubby plus some other people or how exactly would it, and would this panel be voted upon by the community would the community be just the war three champions community do you have an idea of how you you do this or is this still a work in progress i think it needs to be a shadow regime nobody is ever allowed to know who's making decisions because then inboxes will be flooded with hate true so, but then in a way, we're see. I told you I was going to disagree with a few things here, but in a way, then you're you're sort of self-appointed, and then we're sort of everyone on War Three Champions is sort of forced to play on the self-appointed balance teams balance patch. If that sort of makes sense, yep. is there a way to get to get? Obviously, I understand uh, avoiding the people that are doing the changes once they're appointed avoiding them getting all the hate threads and hate comments and hate messages. But how do we get to that first point of like? Yes, we want this. You know what I mean? That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I still got time to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there would probably be an anonymous uh, email address where people can send feedback to. Um, of course, what we champions must be involved in a way. The map making community must be involved in a way because they are the ones to implement this. Mm-hmm. Mm, maybe um, I, I really shouldn't be the person to be uh, in the limelight for this because I'm way too bad of a player to decide on any of this. Uh, but I could take the hate and the blame. I could be like the president of a of, of the shadow regime to protect my ministers. Uh, but right, yeah. you'll be the Matt Morris. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess 
Matt Morris is to blame for a lot, and I would just uh, delegate, I think. So mm -hmm. I would be the Pete Stillwell, I guess. Right. Yeah, it's it's very much is... It's a very difficult problem because um, it's also like... Um, well, there's just no matter what, there's going to be so much hate. There's always going to be people. There's people that hate on Blizzard's balance changes. There's always going to be people that are going to hate on these balance changes. Yeah. There's going to be people that like constantly complain. And like for me, you say like, oh, you know, I'm not a good enough player to make these balance changes. For me, like I consider almost everyone bad. Like I consider <laughs> wow. even a lot of top pros to be not that good a player. Like they make tons of mistakes. They they get by on mechanics. They might not even have that good of an understanding of a game of the game like a lot of people are just like super aggressive and it works for them or they just out micro their opponents and it works for them but if you compare their strategies to that of like top top pros when i mean top i mean like moon lin happy infi players like that you know they're not actually that strategically sound so like to trust even you know tier two tier three pros with these decisions like i don't know i don't even know if they have the right opinions because a lot of these guys they they complain about balance all the time as well Biasly. Yeah, that's a lot of bias for sure. And a lot of memeing. And it will be very hard to separate um, the memeing from, from the real feedback. So yeah, this yes. uh, will be quite challenging. But for you, what would you change? I'm putting you on the spot here. What what What's the Carson balance patch? <laughs> well, like I said, I've been playing a lot recently. So my, my opinions currently, when I'm in the heat of, of playing this game way too much... <laughs> Um, are different from me when I'm maybe just casting or observing or watching watching a lot of replays. Uh, one thing I've been thinking about is maybe a change, being an orc player, to some night elf stuff. One would be, I think, a tree of life. I think one shouldn't be affected by nature's blessing unless it's upgraded to tree of ages um, or tree of eternity. So tier two, tier three should only get the movement speed um, maybe, and probably the armor as well. Um, that Nature's Blessing provides if it's upgraded, and it should move slower by default because I, I think it's so toxic that as a Night Elf, you're able to literally build your Tree of Life behind a blocked base in your... in uh, behind a blocked wall in your base and then walk it to the expansion. That's one which would be a big change that I've been thinking about recently. Um, what else? Headhunters are probably too strong right now, obviously. Mm -hmm. I can admit that. Um there's been a lot of abuse of like of this sounds like twitch chat complaining but like there's been a lot of watching like happy games just power creep into level three dk and then harassing with like dk lich so i mean that seems seems pretty strong right now but i don't know if you can change i've i'm always against changing like fundamental parts of races so the speed scroll change i didn't like um, I wouldn't like a change to Coil Nova, even though it seems pretty crazy strong right now. I don't like changes to like statues and stuff like that. I don't think Moonwells should have been buffed in the past. So they have to be slight changes. They can't be fundamental changes. But there's a few things that seem maybe a little bit too strong right now. But uh, definitely that Tree of Life thing, I think, could be an interesting change to almost every matchup. And that's something that is really abusable by Night Elf currently. That's something I haven't heard from anyone and if i'm if i'm not mistaken you're also the inventor of the 11 supply great hall so maybe hitman that's... Hit, hitman was who hitman who's that oh victor lynn my good friend ah, i don't never never heard of him is he is he playing any tournaments 4v4 mm, tournaments never see him 
<laughs> for four tournaments. <laughs> oh, is he actually attending these, or is he just signing up and then uh, quitting? I don't know. I don't know actually. <laughs> just, just joking, of course. Uh, he has a he has a great mind for the game. I think mostly. Oh, and it was partially Remo as well. I got to give credit where credit's due because uh, I I sometimes do this thing where I like someone will say something and I'll like be like, "Ooh, that's I'll I'll remember that." And then I I'll, I'll like say it later on and then forget who said it and then I like partially feel like I take credit for it. But yeah, it was it was Remo that said or it was Hitman that said like, "Wouldn't it be cool if you were able to scout?" And then it was Remo that made the suggestion for the Great Hall itself. I think I said like Burrows should give an extra supply, which obviously would be too strong. I think it was Remo that did the Great Hall and Hitman that said they need the extra supply for the peon. I think that's was how the lineage worked. But I, sounds, I combined the ideas, of course. That, that does sound like a good thinking process with a lot of refinement. I like that. Uh, you mentioned this DK Literas, which I think is uh, pretty brutal as well. And I wonder if just changes to the mana potion would do something either give less mana or cost more because that's a big part of happy's effectiveness at least and this also could nerf stomp and clap a little bit we've all seen overwhelming tcs overwhelming mountain kings but i think it's also a little too strong at times mm. i still think mana potions are too strong in a way both the big and the small one yeah i think i could i think i could agree with that um they're obviously very necessary for Orc as well as human, pretty much human against orc. I would say they're yeah. they're really used. Night elf is really the only race that doesn't buy buy a ton of them unless you're playing like panda second, which is becoming more and more rare. Obviously, if you're playing keeper dh or even uh, dh naga something like that, uh, keeper alchemist, you're never really going to buy them. But uh, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know what the solution is to this this really really strong power spike when your lich comes out if you manage to get level three. Because at the moment we're just seeing every race just desperately trying to stop the DK from getting level three, <laughs> and then if not, they're just sort of dying. Um, I just yeah. yeah. Again, I don't know if you can change fundamental parts of a race um, as as strong as they seem at times. I'm really curious to to what Remo is is coming up with and i'm also i th i think it's pretty brave to put it out there because uh, we don't have much content in the scene and we all know that blizzard was a fan of remo's uh, suggestions in the past at least at times and partly uh so he's putting himself out there i think it's very very brave very good for the scene we've had like since he came out with that tweet there's been a lot of discussion on certain discords so it's definitely going to be controversial his inbox will be flooding over uh, i know for a fact that uh, a certain german caster who was with us in berlin was already not so happy with what he read um so yeah remo stay brave Stay strong whenever you put this out. Uh, disable your inbox, maybe, but also uh, stay open-minded as you always are to the feedback that you will be getting uh, one one form or another. And then next week, hopefully, we can discuss what he did and what other people said about it. It's going to be an interesting time. Brave, brave soul, Rima Dima. But you know, he is you know, people that people forget how good Rima actually is at the game. Like he's. He's, he's very strong. He's a very strong player. He knows, like, he's not even that well-practiced, and he's still very good just based off pure, like, intuition and knowledge for the game. That's what he, you know, that's how he wins games, and that's how he plays so well. So people forget. Reba knows what he's talking about. He's got the undead bias, like you do as well, Neo, of course, because you guys are undead players. But, um, you know, he is he is a smart guy, very smart guy when it comes to the game. Um, 
and his balance patches, you know, his balance suggestions, not his patches, that's more of a meme, have been pretty solid um, in the past because I've read his other Google Docs. So, you know, people should keep that keep that in mind for sure. Actually, since you say it, I would nerf a lot of undead, I think. Like, mm-hmm. I I tried to play so much with uh, Ted Fiends and then most of the stuff didn't work and then I ventured out to playing more of an expansion style and also play a lot of Banshees. So if I meet the same player a lot of times on ladder and I try Ted Fiends against it and that absolutely didn't work and then I play another strat and it's ridiculously easy, it tells me that it's somehow a little bit too strong in one or two regards, maybe. So I would I would mm-hmm. certainly nerf statues, probably banshees. That that would be one of my first uh, points of attack. Yeah, and it's tough when there's a player like Happy as well. You yes. know, like you you almost kind of you want to look at the best of the best to and you want to shape your balance changes. I think around the best of the best is probably a bunch of different philosophies on this and of course people that do balance for like game devs are very very experienced and they have a whole way of viewing it that's different from players most of the time like if you talk to the frost giant guys that have a different philosophy than like you know i would or or you would or remo would most likely are you Um, talking to the frost giant guys well we've had we have had a um uh, town hall with them once, and we talked to them about balance ah, changes okay, and okay. stuff I, like that. I, I thought you're involved in uh, some some way or another. And oh no, giving if suggestions and, and Monk, Monk's part of the community as well. He's uh, he's quite the good random player, so I've talked to him a few times. But they just have different sort of a different view of. They come at it from more of a statistical point of view, I suppose, other than a more like you know. Whereas people that play the game to cast the game maybe is more like visceral in what they see and like the eye test of things. Oh yeah, for but, sure. Um, we don't also so, so we don't have t- we don't have too many stats in Warcraft in general but I wanted to add one more thing in that I like Grimo's um approach to this a lot because if you ask most of the players um they only answer with what's too strong and what's too weak and uh mm. buff some damage here and reduce some HP there Remo is way more out of the box and thinking on a bigger picture Yes. Uh, and I like that approach. I think it's absolutely necessary to to keep things uh, more interesting than just changing a couple of numbers here and there. Yeah, because changing a couple of numbers most of the time isn't going to actually shift the meta towards something more healthy and and enjoyable and balanced yes. especially. Um, you know, just you know making headhunters a little bit weaker isn't going to necessarily change people away from playing you know, Farseer TC, Tier 2 expansion. It's not going to change Night Elves away from playing Keeper against Orc. It's not going to change Undeads away from, you know, this Tier 3 push style or whatever it is. Or Cryplord. It's not going to actually shift it into a more healthy direction by just changing a couple of numbers or just saying, oh, X is broken, nerf X. It doesn't always work. We saw that with the Cryplord. Cryplord's still popular. Yeah, and it, of course, uh, was a little too strong. So we'll see. It's all theoretical, of course. So it's it's uh, somehow cool to just fantasize a little. Let your imagination do the work for you. All of your balance ideas are, of course, very, very, very welcome. If it's constructive feedback or some cool outside-the-box uh, thinking. I got some uh, tavern hero ideas, for example, still got to look at them, but people in the community are open-minded when it comes to implementing stuff like that as well. So if you think, 
I should be the master of balance. I should be uh, the new Matt Morris and implement all this. Then, hey, let us know. If, if, if you think that you're better than Remo, send us a paper. Send us a presentation. Do a video. Get it out there. We need content in this scene. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. Like, the best way to have your opinion heard is not to yell in a Reddit comment. <laughs> you know, if, if you think you know what you're talking about... You know, do a full manifesto, a schizo post for us. Send us a whole big-ass document and let's see your well-thought-out, organized thoughts, like you say, instead of just being, you know, screaming at the rooftops of, the very small rooftops of Reddit, because honestly, I don't even read those. You know, so just you know, send us something proper, okay? Yeah, I do still read Reddit, and I think um, Reddit posts are better for this in general. I think the bigger pro problem is discussing this on a Discord, because it's, mm. it's a... Uh, little bit similar to twitch chat that it's the discord chat is of course saved until the end of time hopefully but it's still red and right and it's gone so it's not yeah. standing somewhere it's not a real release it's just uh, also more of a discussion and everything is moving so fast and it might get over red and uh then you know it's not that great Definitely, yeah. It's it just gets so cluttered so fast because there's not like a main poster when it comes to a Discord discussion. It's just twenty people talking over each other, and you know where you should see the same person talking four times. It's ten people in between. It's right just on. Pure chaos. Yeah, Discord sucks. No, Discord is amazing, especially compared to what we had before. I Skype. Woo! Get out of here, Carson. Get out of here, you old hippie hipster. Whatever. Oh man. Um. Yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit. ESL Meisterschaft final happened this weekend. This is a topic, of course, that you can't say uh, much about uh, because you were probably asleep and not there. Was there anything you caught from Meisterschaft? Was there anything I caught? I caught the, the beginning. And by beginning, I mean literally the four of you sitting down talking about the games. And then when you and I think... Remo went to cast and then Slash and the host were talking. That's all I caught. Didn't see any of the games. Yeah, uh, you didn't miss much in terms of games. Um, it was three series, all best of five, two semifinals, one grand final. All ended in a 3 0. Uh, it was Exlord defeating Francis and Van defeating Todd, 3 0. And then in the grand final, Exlord defeats Van, 3 0. So, woo, five time champion. Congrats and all. Uh, from a game perspective, not the best finals ever. Um, kind of unfortunate. Francis was able to take some maps off of Exlord before in like group stage and the past quarterfinal last year, but he has no answer to the ghoul play of Undead as seemingly so many orcs at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool to see him though. Like he is, he's a not a new name in the scene. I've known of him for a while. He's played 2v2 with uh, Coda's Forsaken for a long, long time. Coda's number one. <laughs> so it's it's cool to see him um, perform well in 1v1. Like He's a really nice guy. Um, and he's you know, he seems to be quite good. He seems to be quite good. I haven't seen a ton of his games. I did see him beat um, TH Ooh. a couple days ago on stream. Yeah, just ladder games, obviously. Of not course. the biggest of deals. But uh, he's, he's a solid player. So it's nice to see these more 4v4, 2v2 players. Um, break into break into one v one, and he's not like he's up against bad players. Like everyone here in the playoffs is super strong. So, yeah, I hope um they change a little bit. They will be getting a new project manager for next season, and that project manager is amazing. I worked with him already twelve years back at ESL Radio and Readmore.de and another German 
outlet called fragster.de. So super cool to have a project manager um, who carries Walker 3 very dear to his heart and who knows what he's talking about. He might be a little out of the loop, but he will remember the old uh, German championship days and the old ESL days. So that will be very, very helpful. So today uh, I started a little uh, roundtable feedback group to make Meisterschaft better. And we thought, or I think it seems like a consensus that the two group group stage with six player each is kind of outdated and it's kind of boring. And we want to make one big group and then playoffs should be double a limb with six players. Because otherwise in the semifinal, whoever faces X-Lord... Uh, it's not going to go into the grand final and then, you know, the the winner of semifinal two is basically automatically the vice champion with double a limb. Uh, that would be all more exciting. Yeah, because even just looking at the Liquipedia right now as a spectator, someone that has no hat in the game for this for this tournament, like it's it's confusing. It's confusing to look at. I don't know what the hell I'm looking at. Like it just <laughs> looks like a jumbled mess of like just a shitload of games that happened pre-playoffs. And then obviously the playoffs just seem short and underwhelming. So yeah, yeah I think a format change is, is definitely warranted. Yeah, I feel like it's it's twelve weeks of group stage and then eight hours exactly eight hours or something of 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 playoffs. That feels a little imbalanced. And um, mm -hmm. there's there's certainly uh, different areas of skill. And by putting all the players in one big group, I think we would narrow the gaps between the skill. For example. Uh, nobody would really dominate the group because there's two super strong players and there's also a more even playing field between the ranks uh, three to eight, I guess, and would be more fun for everybody. I hope they go with it. Um, that would be a nice future for Meisterschaft. There's, of course, as there always is, a little bit of drama with Meisterschaft. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. So I'll just sit back and story time. Let's go. <sighs> okay, Love whenever it. you have a question or I don't explain any, uh, something not properly enough, please chime in, give some feedback on it, because, yeah, All right. several things happened, as always. So, um, everybody who's watching Meisterschaft, it is a pretty important league because it's the last league supported by ESL, <clears throat> and it's 8,000 euros prize money, so that's quite a lot. Um and puts the game on the map and makes it somewhat still relevant in different in, in certain circles. Anyway, um, we found out in the last winner interview that we did with Van that was the group stage still or the playoffs even that the finals are supposed to be offline. Uh, they always were for the casters and our host, but they never were for the players because of COVID and stuff. They were always held online, so that was quite a big surprise that finals are supposed to be with four players offline. So we had our semifinals, uh, the four players. It was X-Lord, Francis, Todd, and Van, of course. So we were all getting excited and looking forward to meeting the guys. Uh, I knew for quite a while that Todd wouldn't be coming. So I asked the other guys, like, hey, do we want to go for dinner on, on, on Friday, have a cheeky beer here and there, grab some schnitzel, like, whatever you do in, in cl somewhat close to Berlin. And everything was figured out. I uh, saved some seats at a restaurant that, that we knew from there, and everybody was excited to meet each other. Until two days to the final. That was, I think, 
Thursday. Yeah, on Saturday was the final. On Thursday, I got messages that apparently the other three players, uh, Van, Exlord, and Francis, were never informed that Todd would be playing from home. And then they said, hey, why is he allowed to play from home? And we have to go to Berlin. That's kind of unfair. We have to travel. That's one day of practice. Uh, we have to postpone real life stuff. Maybe have to get time off of work for this. Which is all fair. Fair criticism. Uh, a big discussion was held. Uh, I would kind of want to defend Todd here. From what I know from some leaks. Uh, weeks before the finals. He was asked if he's vaccinated. Uh, because that would be required to play offline. So he answered that and said, yeah, but I would uh, much prefer to play online um, because in typical Todd fashion, I'll just lose my game because I'm playing it undead and then I travel two days to play one hour of a series and I lose anyway. And of course I'm a streamer, I lose out on revenue and traveling with uh, the COVID cases being so high is also not the greatest I think. So that was, as I said, a certain like a number of weeks prior to the event. So apparently, the the organization took this as Todd will under no circumstances come to the offline final and just never asked him again. He didn't even know that the finals were in Merlin until he heard that in an interview, and <laughs> he asked the orcs again, like, "Hey guys, offline finals? What the hell?" And yeah, so. That was a lot of uh, drama. Of course, as these guys are, nobody was uh, willing to back off of his position. Um, nobody wanted to give in. Nobody wanted to move away from their standpoint. So in the end, since there was no other option, Francis was the only one who was still willing to travel. But then, of course, having only one player in the studio looks kind of weird. So they said, Francis, you can stay home as well. Practice one more day. Whatever. Everybody will play online. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, interesting. Well, I mean, uh, first thing I'll say, like, I only have really ever spoken to, obviously, I've spoken to Todd a ton. I've, of, of the other three, I've really only ever spoken to Xlord. I don't think Juan and me have ever talked to Francis. I've only ever typed to a little bit. But for, for Todd, I'll say he's always very communicative, super. Like, he'll be messaging, you know, because I've done show matches with him in the past and stuff, you know, Dust League and all that. Um, and he's, he's always messaging you. Whenever he has a question, whenever he has something that he needs to do or a concern, he'll always message. And if you don't respond right away, he'll message again and again and again, and he'll make sure he gets through. So obviously he did that with the admins and told them. Um, and whether or not, like, if they wanted the top four to be on LAN, like, they had to put their foot down one way or the other, I feel like. Because, yeah, you can't have... Unless there's... Unless there's something that happens, like somebody gets COVID on their way to the land or, you know, they test positive there and then they have to play. Like this has happened for Valorant events and Counter-Strike events and stuff where they have to play from their hotel rooms or whatever, but they already did the travel. Everything that is a disadvantage to be offline other than the ping has already been inflicted on the players because of the travel and the lost practice time and the lack of sleep, changing schedules, not in this case, but in other cases. Um, but to be like, I don't know how long, I forget how long, you know, a week before or whatever it would have been, that Todd said, and then for them to not know, 
Um, like the admins sort of have to put their foot down and say either you have to travel or you can't play mm -hmm. or like, okay, nobody has to travel from the get go. I feel like that's really on the admins. They can't be wishy washy with stuff like this because, cause yeah, it is, it is a disadvantage. And also you're forcing players that think they were going to play on land to play on, you know, in a lot of cases, higher paying, whereas in this case it wouldn't actually be cause it probably would have still been on War three champions, but, um, probably on the down low, um, <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't, yeah that's, that's just a little bit weird. It was on War 3 Champions, which led to a little bit of a disadvantage for Francis because he's from Austria and the server mm -hmm. uh, is in the middle of Germany, so automatically he has a longer distance there. So yeah. from my perspective, uh, League Ops are to blame for not letting Todd know that offline finals are happening and that it would be really, really great if he comes along, even if it's just one day. Then Van and Exlord are to blame for not biting the bitter apple. I don't know if that's an English saying. It's a German one. Uh, for mm -hmm. not, yeah. uh, you know, uh, just just do it for the sake of the league and for the sake of the scene. Because Juan was the one telling it and leaking it in an interview. Everybody thought players would be there. And then they are the ones leading the charge to have it all online. Um, yeah. That was quite disappointing. And yeah. Is there anybody else to blame? Todd, of course, always... partly for not saying, okay, I didn't know that, I'm coming. Uh, but I can also understand all sides of the story. The admins probably don't have the legal right to force everyone to play offline because it's mostly not in the rules. I can understand, Todd, that uh, from his perspective, it's really not worth it to travel two days and not streaming for three days. It is a lot of revenue that you're missing out on. Um to just play one series if you're not that interested in, uh, you know, hanging out and going to bars, etc. And then on the other side, I can also understand the sports players that it would have been a little unfair if one player is playing from home and the other's not. So everybody is to blame, but I also understand everyone. And the poor guy is Francis, who missed out on meeting us and on his first offline experience. Yeah, you know, it's... I just feel like if Todd was put in a situation where they said, look, you know, if you don't want to travel, that's cool, but you don't get prize pool and you get disqualified. He probably would have done it because obviously you say they can't force him to play offline, which is true, but they can say, all right, it's in the closet. You have to do this or, or whatever. If that was what they wanted to, to get everyone offline. And then obviously the other three would have traveled. Um, the, the admins probably could have done that and Todd knowing Todd probably would have been like all right I don't want to but you know I'm on a team you know I think he I think he has something in his contract where he, he might get something for Meistershaft with with no limit um so it's like it's it's, it's important to him it's important to him you know and it's his it's this ever-growing legacy in Warcraft and for the other guys like I feel like the whole reason why they the players do this sometimes where they say the reason they don't want to do something they don't want to play in this certain host they don't want to play a certain tournament. They don't want to travel for offline, whatever. They say it's for competitive integrity, right? They say mm -hmm. like, oh, he has an advantage because we don't get to practice one day extra or something. When really a lot of the case, it's just kind of bullshit, yeah. really. Like, <laughs> oh, he gets he gets one extra day. Like they're saying this, but it's just a facade. Really, they just don't want to do it because I don't know how they are with Todd right now. Maybe they're cool again, but it's just, you know, oh, why, why do I have to do this? Todd doesn't have to do this. It's really just a lot of the time it's 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 like petty shit fronted with you don't know you're not a pro player 
that I'm the pro player. I know that one day of practice is really going to affect me. How can you say that it won't affect me a ton? This is unfair competitively. If they were to just say, like, look, I don't want to have to travel two days. I don't have to take time off work if he doesn't have to. Like, that's bullshit. If they were to just say that, it would be fine. But a lot of the time, people will load it with, wow, this is really going to affect my performance in the grand finals of this tournament. They always load it with, mm-hmm. with shit like that, which yep. I don't agree with that sort of facade of it. If they just say, it, why, I don't. I want to stream too, fuck you, then I would be totally fine with it. Yeah, well, the others don't have a big stream, so I think that doesn't go yeah. as a reason. Um, uh, you know, Exlord reached out to me as well, and I'm like, dude, I kind of get you, but you're the last person to complain about anything after how you have sabotaged a lot of tournaments in the past, uh, started with some old... Was it four-player cups? Might have been a Back to Warcraft Cup or a four-player cup where he made a big controversy about servers. Then, of course, we all remember the War 3 Champions finals where three hours prior to his games, he uh, said he can't make it. There was drama about Nation League. There's constant bickering on uh, Twitter towards, I guess, us, me, whatever it is. Uh, I don't have any sympathy for this guy. Not at all. So if he's the one leading the charge, crying about this... I uh, can't take this seriously. I don't have any sympathy for that. Uh, sorry that Van is kind of involved with that as well because I really, really like him. But yeah. Excellent uh, little diva sometimes. Who would have thought? It, was there a tournament this year that he played where he didn't cause drama? <laughs> You'd know better than me. Nation League, there was drama with Chemico. <sighs> dude, 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 dude. Speaking of Exlord. Oh boy. Here's the cherry on the cream of the cake of this weekend that made me howl with laughter. So since this all went down Thursday and we were invo- uh, informed that the players won't come, uh, I decided that for the rehearsal day, it would be quite funny to wear my Insubax t-shirt um, when they meet Slash and Remo and New Hero, who was there as an observer. And uh, for people not familiar with the beautiful Insubax t-shirt. Here you can see it on the left-hand side. <laughs> it is Exlord's head on top of a skeleton because uh, I think it was a year ago by now, Insub mm-hmm. was making a little fun uh, of Exlord being so thin, I guess, and they photoshopped this. And yeah, there was some drama involved because Exlord reported this t-shirt to the mouse sports guys, team managers or legal or whatever, and Insub got an email from mouse sports saying, you're not allowed to do this. We might sue you. <laughs> which is awesome, which is such good banter, man. I love it because, you know, a Canadian talking shit to a German, I mean, we know who has the upper hand there. Sorry, Neil, <laughs> but I mean, come on. that That's just good banter. I mean, Insub, Insub's good at a lot of things, and one of them, <laughs> that was, that's probably his strongest suit right there. That was freaking gorgeous. So, of course, Insub leaked this email from the mouse sports guys back then. And uh, one guy in the... <laughs> so good. So good. Um, not that great that he was doxing the team manager that could have been blacked really out. really toxic, but it's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it is really hilarious. Toxic, I think <laughs> we talked about this in one of the episodes prior. So one guy in the community decided it would be a really, really great idea to do bootleg t-shirts of these and spread it to some streamers <laughs> and personalities. <laughs> so I said, of course, man, sign me up. I want this. And then I got this. So... I went to the rehearsal day uh, straight out of the train, um, not checking into the hotel, but 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 straight to the venue. 
so I couldn't uh, change my shirt or whatever. And I thought, hey, it's just rehearsal day, man. This won't be on any streams. This won't be public. This won't be part of the official event. And I was doing my thing, you know, setting up the the overlay, you know, that takes some time. And Slash was running around and doing some Instagram content, like stories and stuff with some pictures. <laughs> and turns out Xlot saw that I'm wearing this shirt. You can uh, check it on Instagram, right? Who is uh, viewing this content? And the uh, the Mouseboards people didn't see this. Only Xlot saw this. <laughs> and then uh, a day later, I hear, hey, there was a complaint. Did you hear that? It's like, what the hell? They were complaining about a certain shirt. I got an email from Mouseports. Like, dude, really? Like, yeah, take care. Uh, just just so you know, if if they approach you, yada, yada, yada. So this happened again. They complained again to the officials, to basically my employees, about the shirt I wore at rehearsal day. Like, are you freaking kidding me? How ridiculous is that? And again, this is just like with the whole, oh, competitive integrity, I don't want to travel, when really it's, you know, oh, you know, you're using my you're using my intellectual property, my team is going to get mad at you, is really just a, it's just a front for, I don't like Insup, this is something Insup made, I don't like him, you know, I want to hurt Insup somehow. <laughs> Whether it be people don't wear his shirt, people don't laugh at his joke anymore, it's it's all just a front, which is, if it were to just be like, hey, fuck you, Insup, I don't give a shit, I'm gonna get my team to fuck you over, and everyone that wears your shirt, that'd be fine, but it's all like, oh, you can't use my face, it's my intellectual property, that's that's my only issue with it. Yeah, Because um, then... obviously, Insup kind of is in the wrong, as hilarious as it is. It, it's true, like, true, 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 true. You know, um, yeah. But then, to me, like, Sending it to my employee, basically, or to the project yeah. manager or whatever you do, is basically the same shit he did with Todd when he was tagging DreamHack and No Limit Gaming, exactly. I think, on, on Twitter. Just getting, like, putting a, a position or a job in jeopardy for wearing a shirt. Like, yeah. come on, dude. Grow, grow a pair. Get over it. I'm curious, maybe I have to talk to a lawyer or something. What if I do like a comic style version of X-Lord that kind of resembles him, but not too closely and print it on shirts? Is that legal? Can I wear that? Can I spread that? Can I sell it? I'm not sure. I think it would it would depend on how, how close it is. Probably. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Or how you'd brand it. There's probably something where, like, if you brand it as, hey, this isn't really X-Lord, but it kind of is, you know? I think there might be some law against that. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure, though. I'm not sure. you got to talk to Floss. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, hey, Mouseboards, uh, I hear that you have some decent clothes. Let me check this out on your homepage. What do you got there? Uh, I've, I've been a fan of your clan for probably... 20, you know, 15 years or something. So this is a little bit disappointment, uh, disappointing. So you guys are sponsored by Puma. Um, if you want to decide what I wear on rehearsal days, just send me stuff. You got my address yep. from uh, when we collaborated together, when we announced your Warcraft team. Remember that two years ago when we did you that favor? That was nice. So... If you want to decide what I wear on basically days off, feel free. Send me stuff. Gladly wearing it. Easy. All right. Yeah. 
Äh, that was Meisterschaft. <lacht> fun, fun, fun. It, you know, with, when you get these, this group of guys, it's always, it's always drama. It's always good stuff. Oh, I had... you, get, you get Todd with any undead player in Europe, and it's, it's always good times. Oh, shit. Time. You missed the, the... Oh, my God. We have to talk about one more thing. Even if it already <laughs> takes way, up too, way too much time where you have almost no input in. Um, someone decided it's a very, very good idea to do loser interviews. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, guys, that's brave. If Todd loses this, this could be something a little bit outside the norm, a little bit rough around the edges, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, we do it. Okay, they did it. And oh boy, there was uh, some talk about human being very weak on the broadcast there was talks about uh, like Todd said he considers one on one as dead to him because human is unplayable and he pro pretty much knew that there was no chance that, that there was no chance on every single map when we all were kind of of the opinion that he had a lead in every single game and Van turned it around every time and there would have been maybe one or two better uh, solutions to the way Todd played it um, but of course it was also very emotional and in the heat of the moment so yeah he was basically uh, he was he was I think not doing the league a favor with that loser interview but also I did not appreciate doing losers interview at all like who's doing losers interviews yeah no one should that's that's just I mean there's if you put it like in the in the rules or something, then players have to do it, but you can't control what the players say. And if you're going to do a loser's interview, you're going to get the real shit because they're going to be tilted. Like Todd, obviously I didn't see the interview, but it sounds like he didn't say anything wrong at all. He just, he literally said, I, he just lost. He was tilted as everyone is after a loss. It's no, just no, no, he said of, he's, know, he's not it. tilted. He never tilts. He said, Oh, okay. Well, you know, in a, a different sort of tilted than let's say emotional, maybe maybe in a in a negative headspace something like that you know and like if i if i was in a loser's interview like what kind of content are you hoping to get Dude. yeah the game is shit i hate the game this sucks <laughs> yeah, fuck right, undead right. my race is unplayable don't play this game don't play human whatever <laughs> like that's what you're going to get out of me after i've just lost a series like if that's what the the tos want go ahead yeah interview me sure but that's what you're going to get and i think it's totally acceptable if if players give horrible interviews in a loser interview. That's exactly what they should be. I think it was a very entertaining interview. It just didn't do the leak any favor because it put the game in a bad light. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, well, well. Looking forward to next season. Qualifiers are very, very soon. I'll be playing. Remo will be playing. Um, qualifiers are going to be insane, but we will talk about them once they come up. Oh, boy. So... Now we switch this around, or do we want to take a little break, or do you want to continue? We have a lot on the list. I'm chilling, man. I'm okay, good to go. Okay, okay. So now we switch roles. Now you tell me about uh, the stuff I missed, where I have nothing to say, because uh, for the first time you cast it uh, on your own, the Chinese show matches. 
Yeah, that was nice. It was a great experience. So, yeah, the Show Cup 16 and 17, the first being happy against Infi in a best of six, the second being happy against uh, TH in a best of six. Twisted Meadows is always the starter map, and then they play five other maps. I think it's $300 per map, 225 for the winner, 75 for the loser. Really entertaining. Um, 4 a.m. at my time, so it's another, just like War 3 Champions, super early morning for me. But uh, it was nice because I don't think I've ever casted Infi or TH. I, I remember I did WCA uh, like like a year and a half ago mm-hmm. covering for you and Rima once. And then might have done Infi then, but it was it was nice to be able to to be able to cast them. It's interesting. Um the matches the matches were really good. Uh pretty close a couple of games. Thinking back to Infi, uh the first map on Twisted Meadows he played orc and he played orc throughout yeah he played orc for all six maps and he played like this farseer mass wind rider hit and run style it's all on our youtube you can go check it out um and it was really close he got his expansion up he played really well he played hit and run and then he sort of attack moves into happy's base um and loses his entire army and tp's out and then happy just pushes and win despite being down a base for like 10 minutes eight eight or eight to ten minutes something around there and then the series continues. The rest of the maps are pretty one-sided until Turtle Rock, which is the fourth game of the series. Um, and this seems to be Happy's kind of kryptonite, at least against Orc. It was in the past in Gara Cups when he would play Focus all the time. He would always lose Turtle Rock against Orc. And uh, this is no different. He lost Turtle Rock again to the Farseer, which is what he uh, Infi played throughout the series. And then Infi ended up losing the rest so it ended up being 5-1 but it was it was entertaining like i think infi played pretty well despite being a little bit inactive obviously both him and th are pretty inactive and playing off race but uh, i was pretty impressed overall and i remember someone someone saying they were like translating lynn's stream who lynn was commentating it as as i was casting i was reading it in the chat and like there was a couple maps where where someone said oh lynn just said that infy played this perfectly he played better but he just he's still losing so maybe he just chose sort of the the incorrect strategy or happy at a right read or something um did you see any of those games at we all, saw the, you haven't seen it yet we saw the first one and we were all super mega hyped for this and we were really really mm-hmm. glad that our rehearsal got uh postponed by half an hour so we could see the entirety of twisted i think adding a bad writer or two as infi did is the right way and they did great damage for what they cost so i think this mm-hmm. is the way to play it but he horribly overcommitted, and this was very infi atypical to do such yes. a big strategic mistake. Yeah, because that's normally it's he's not that much. I mean, all these top players have insanely good mechanics and good micro, but he's never like known for that. He's always known for his positioning, his tactical plays. You know, he secured the expansion, which you know th tried to do the same strat, and his got canceled like immediately. So it already shows that infi has a leg up tactically there. But yeah, I don't. It was also kind of cool that Happy just sort of straight up went Gargs without scouting the two beasts. Right. He just he went Gargs just right away. He just knew what he was going to do, <laughs> which so is it's kind of cool to see. Ah, uh, yeah. Is there anything Orc players can take away from this, even though the execution wasn't perfect? From like everybody respects Infi's way of thinking and approaching matchups. So, is there any any takeaways for the meta? 
Yeah, well, I mean, he started off with Mass Windriders, which a lot of people consider to just be, even though he lost up against, it was up against Happy, though. Um, a lot of people consider Windriders to just not work. It's always been a strategy that Orc players have thought, you know, if I'm against a player who's not like a tier one top undead, I can go fast tech Mass Windriders and make it work. I've done that strat in the past, but I actually stopped doing it because I always view it from like, if this isn't viable against Moon or Happy or Lin, then I'm not going to do it. I'm only going to practice the best strategies that will always work. I mean, Windriders were one of those strats that I just sort of scrapped. But I guess Infy showed us that, at least in his view, this is this is viable and we can try it. And we can try this, you know, super hit and run heavy style. We don't have to play mass headhunters every game. We don't have to play, you know, Blade Master every game. So he showed that at least there's some more viable strats. Also the tier two expansion, even though Lin has done it a lot in the past, is something orc players haven't done a ton of. Most of the time they go tiny great hall, fast tier three, tiny great hall expo, then try to hold that. But he showed that you can tactically secure an expansion just through maneuvering on the map, similar to what orc does against human. You just position in the middle of the map and just wait for the human to creep and then creep jack them and just don't allow them to cancel your expansion. He showed that you can also do styles like that, not just against human, but against undead, which is cool. Not that it hasn't been done before, but that it's cool to see those two things. Um, and he also showed that, you know, he thinks that Orc is the best against Undead, which is uh, going to vindicate a lot of Undeads because they all they all hate playing against Orc. Oh, yeah. This is uh, going to be an interesting dynamic, what the currently top Orcs, like a so and like a Focus, like uh, Lin, will do with that information now. Was there anything uh, spectacular about the TH play? Because that was way more races involved, right? Yeah, he played, let's remember, he played Orc on, so it always started on Twisted Meadows, mm -hmm. these show cups always do. He played Orc the first map, Echo Isles was map two, he played Human there, which is Human actually. He played, so he played Orc twice, Human, twice. Orc, Orc three times, yes. Human twice, Night Elf once. And actually the two times he played Human, that looked to be TH's best race actually still. Oh. Um, even though he's been playing a lot of random, he's been playing a lot of off race and he played orc most of all in the series, his human looked really solid. Like echo Isles in particular, it was, um, it was a lich expansion from happy and, and TH went for an arc mage fast expansion, but he gave up the expo, went and canceled the haunted gold mine for happy. And then they got in this situation where they're both running into each other's bases. TH trying to kill acolytes, happy trying to kill peasants with ghouls and Nova. And TH actually defended. He killed, like, five ghouls, only losing three peasants to, like, five ghouls and wow. skeletons and a lich with Nova. And so he traded perfectly, got a full tech advantage, and then he got, he got like... This is hilarious. So five, there's five uh, permanent item drops on Twisted Meadows on each side, right? So there's the, the green camp, mercenary camp, murlocs, expansion, and turtles in the corner. Um, of those five drops, TH got four rings. Oh! <sighs> And a ring of regeneration. <laughs> Those Jeez, were his drops on no his side. Way. Oh, how unfortunate is that? Yeah. So if he had gotten better items, I think in the transition late game into inner fire rifles with a couple of knights, if he had gotten better items, maybe he could have pulled it off because Happy had like pretty all right items. He got good lich items. I think he got a pendant of energy from his corner turtle. So uh, yeah, really, really bad drops. Um, yeah, five of the worst drops you could possibly get. So that his human looked very impressive. Um, his orc, he did pretty similar things to Infi, um, two beast 
tried to play hit and run, even played like Shockwave, I think, one game. Um, Night Elf, he played Dark Ranger, and Happy played Fast Expansion. And then he, uh, two Ancient War Huntress all in his expansion, killed the Expo, built two APs at the Expo, this is on Last Refuge, and then built a Tree of Life at Happy's Natural. Um, and then just tried to hold the expansion. That was a super exciting game. <laughs> Almost got level six Dark Ranger, but uh, we didn't end up seeing Charm. So that I uh, yeah, definitely recommend the series, even just for that game and for the Echo Isles game. Um, but it w- did end up being a, a 6-0 for Happy because he kind of, uh, he's just better. And I think TH is in worse shape than Infy currently. Um, I think Infy still has the, still has the ability to be a top player if he practiced, whereas TH, I think, it would take a little bit more, probably, for him to get in top shape again. Does sound like uh, two fun series indeed. And you know what? I'm kind of happy that this is two six O's. Because what would it say about the current scene if Infi and TH are coming back out of nowhere and take maps off of Happy? That would be a pile of shit on the entire pro scene currently. <laughs> Well, if he got the one, he got the one on Turtle Rock, but that's just, I think that's just because Turtle Rock, but uh, yeah, definitely. It was, I mean, the maps that Happy won, the the other 11 maps that Happy won, he kind of dominated all of them, except for like maybe one or two. There's one thing I sort of have, a, I don't think it's so much a hot take, just a take on these show cups. Obviously, it's it's sponsored by someone and then organized by, I think, I think Ted does all the organizing. I'm wondering, because they do three maps on Netties. And then three maps on War 3 Champions on, like, Europe 5 or mm-hmm. something. So the ping on Netties is about 170 for Happy. And then for for Chinese players, Yaws described it as better than LAN when he was in WCA uh, 2015. That's how he described playing on Netties in China. Better than LAN. So let's, let's say 20 MS versus 170 on Netties. And then they go to War 3 Champions. And then Happy has 5 MS to the server they play on. And the Chinese have... I think 150 as well. So it's always about 20 versus 150. Whereas if they play on Russia Central, it's 100 for Happy and 85 for both TH and Infi. So I'm really wondering why they do this swapping hosts and not just even ping because it's like, it's great content. The games are very entertaining. I love casting. I love seeing these players. Um, Happy rightfully wins even when he has bad ping. But we're kind of lying to ourselves that this is a competitive match, that this even proves anything, when no matter what host you're on, one player has a horrible disadvantage. Like, if we want to find out who's better between Happy or Lin, one, it needs to be on Lan, but two, if we're going to say these show matches mean anything, it has to be on close to even ping for every single map. But I just don't think Happy's even willing. I mean, I'm sure he'd play if they forced him to, because he's making fucking... You know, Bang. two grand every single yeah. Like he's made like thirty grand from these show matches, <laughs> man. Like play on a hundred ping, happy for fuck's sakes. Oh, actually, let's look up the earnings for twenty twenty two. Happy must be number one, right? It's insane. Oh yeah, just for this show cup, he's made twenty three thousand five hundred seventy seven. <laughs> just for these, just for these show matches. That's pretty sick indeed. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it's uh, good. Good for him. I would definitely approve a more solid toasting solution as well. You can always argue that it's a home and away system, and the guy who gets the better ping doesn't have server choice or something uh, that should be evening it out. And for War Three Champions, it kind of does, but there the ping discrepancy is not nearly as good. If we choose to have alternate servers, uh, we never have a ping discrepancy of one hundred and twenty. We would definitely deem that unplayable. So yeah, I'm not the biggest fan. 
but hope there are some changes coming to the show cups. I heard about that, but I didn't understand mm -hmm. it properly. It's definitely going to be a best of seven, which is funny, by the way, because nobody in chat understood that this is a full out best of six, right? Right. And yeah, I was a little slow to adapting to this change because I thought at some point people would understand it and I don't have to change our overlay. So last week I had enough and I said, Coder Chris, please give us an option to make a best of six and to get rid of that best of thing if we want to. So mm -hmm. it's finished now. And now, oh, no. and now next week they change us to best of seven. It'll be useful for something. It would be nice if we could just set it for best of one through seven or something like that, or one through. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if you've casted best of elevens or anything like that before. Oh boy! But uh, maybe. Uh, hopefully, hopefully never will. But uh, let's, yeah. let's see. So yeah, next um, Saturday is the game against Fly, which will be cool. And then he's playing against Lawlight, which is certified banger, as we saw. Uh, War three champions finals hopefully the show matches are closer to the winner bracket final than they are to the grand final um they will yeah. definitely be played at a better time for law Lights, so that should be good so much for the mm -hmm. show matches yeah not even to mention the the whole host thing as well like then observers wouldn't be dcing like just in in one game both ted and one two zero DC'd, and that's not the end of the world. They can restream, but also there was like lag screen during a fight like six times or something. Um, and then we had that whole—I don't know if you talk, touched on the drama of the Echo Isles drama for him against uh, Soen, so but I... we wouldn't have that if they were on a host where the Chinese players weren't DCing. Um, actually, I don't remember what host this was. There is also mm. currently issues for Chinese players with EU 4 and 5 that are temporary and mm -hmm. not the norm. So maybe, I don't know. I'm uh, not too knowledgeable about this yet. Right. But yeah, um, fair conditions when both players have the same ping, always better than this. So any Chinese people that are listening to this change. Dude, just just do it like us. Just just do it like we run tournaments. <laughs> it's the it's just yeah. We do everything perfectly. And I I just hate <laughs> like you know like as as much as as much as I enjoy again casting these and as fun as they are just to watch these players play. They're really they're it's more of a dance than it is something competitive. Oh, yeah. They're just they're just playing to entertain us. But really, like we can't even count it as as being an act actual competitive match between these two because they're just on horrible conditions. It's just not cool. It's like you can't even, you can barely hype it up as like, this is a big deal because because it's not. It's truly not. They're they're almost on 200 ping. They're spiking horribly. Like it has to be even. Or we could just say, no, I just dance for me. I, wa I want the lie. I want to live the lie. One way or the other. As we are in the Chinese scene currently, this week also marks the start of the Doobie Promax Cup, which is sponsored by Infi, TH, and Fly, and it's a prize pool of $10,500. Currently, Sheesh. yes, invited players are Chemico, Lin, Happy, 1-0, Colorful, Moon, Lawlight, and 15 Sway. There will also be eight players from the qualifier, and then... Every invited player will be paired with one of the players from the qualifier and the eight winners of these preliminaries will be competing in a best of seven round robin format. So this is a lot 
of content and a lot of games coming to our <laughs> home screens. I thought that uh, that was that was all great until until Round Robin and Best of Seven. Uh, <laughs> up up till that point, it was great, but uh, it, it should be fun. I mean, it'll be a lot of games. <laughs> it will be a lot of content, which is a lot of watch time, which is great for the project. If you all like and subscribe and ring the bell everywhere you are on Twitch when you want to watch it live on YouTube. Exactly. That's a bell. Exactly. Ring. Audio listeners, I rang a bell. <laughs> I think people were able to hear this thanks to your beautiful microphone. Uh, and of course on awesome. YouTube as well to get the notification for our latest content. Um, from the Chinese and Asian scene to Western competition. Basically I... an American competition where I'm part of, you're part of, and a couple of pros are part of Fountain of Mana League Season 3, 140 players. I am super hyped. Yeah, this is uh this is great. I I've loved this this format of tournament. I played in Washed Up League as well. I don't know if there's been any others, just this and Washed Up League, I think, but this is such a fun this is such a fun format. I'm really stoked on this. So you sign up and you will be paired into a group of eight people that are close to your MMR. So the gr there's a gr this is, of course, a grassroots competition. So there's a lot of people uh, from the community that are also participating in stuff like GNL or Creep Camp. But also a lot of pros signed up, a lot of god-tier gamers. Group A is insane. Foggy, Starbuck, Neutron, Please, Dice, Insup, Hitman, and Shake. Yeah, that's uh, pretty nice. I'm surprised to see Foggy there because like a player like Starbuck, probably the second best player in that group. Um, he's very community oriented. He's always in Twitch chats and stuff. He's always talking to the gym guys. You know, he gives people advice all the time. But a player like Foggy, he just sort of shows up and wins and then leaves. And he has his YouTube channel and his stream and all that stuff. But he's not really overly involved with like this sort of community of people. So I'm surprised to see him, but it's it's a pleasant surprise. Did you just say that Starbuck is better than Hitman? Mm, right now, Hitman's a little bit washed up. He'll even admit it. Damn. So... You're signed up as well, and you're in a group with music inspired Riva, Dark, Forel Mashi, Licks, and Six Bones. Yeah, I, I was surprised that I was put into was that Group D? Yeah, Group D. I thought maybe I would be put into Group E. Uh, but I mean, it's it's a good challenge, good challenge for me. I think the main thing is. I need more time to practice. Like, given another month, and I'll be confident here. I think I'd destroy all these players in one month. But uh, really? right now, I don't think I'm quite ready. Especially in Orc Mirror, I don't think I'm quite ready. Um, and there's a few orcs in this group, so I, if I can make it out of the group stage without just sort of losing to everyone, I have to play against Inspired like today or tomorrow. Um, I think I'll, I think I'll be good to win it. I just need to make it out of the group stage. That will give me enough time to practice. And then I'll, I'll win the group. But I got to make it out of the group stage. Damn. Okay, for my group, we have to scroll down a ton to group N, where I'm paired with, uh, nothing to say, Pumpsifer, Hightor, Vampy. I got a rematch with Buzzkill, Ant Mission, 
and Brick Boys there. So MMR-wise, I'm the weakest player of the group, probably also the least active player. So my goal is to steal maps here and there. If I'm if I'm ending up top five, I'm super mega happy. But I could also be pummeled throughout this league. Yeah, it happens. It happens, especially when you you have to play everyone, so you like you can't really you can't really avoid you can't avoid many people. Um, like I almost got put in a group with AKM, and I swear to God, AKM has my number, man. That that Blood Mage Mass Tower style, like he owns me. So I, I was a little bit relieved to not have to have AKM in my group. But yeah, you, you just can't like you know if there's players that you struggle against or matchups you struggle in, you, the, this really exposes all of that so i'm surprised actually I, I was just scrolling up a little bit your your group is is cool because there's actually a lot of well-known players in it like even though you know it's a little bit lower mmr it's still a ton of people from the community that we know atheist p is in the group below me really <laughs> yeah isn't he sick he's I thought good. he was like super sick yeah he's playing team, team serbia he's not bad Am I better than ATSP? Incredible. Look at me go. Yeah, we'll figure this out, probably. If he owns his group and you get your ass whooped, we'll see about that. Maybe they I underestimate. I think he probably will. I think he will, yeah. They might not know ATSP. Maybe, because he's a little bit... I mean, if if you're around like eight, nine years ago, you remember him. Oh, but yeah. like, he's maybe not a name that's too active in most of the... the the popular tournaments currently so who knows maybe they underestimate him so tomorrow is the start of group a we will cast foggy and shake i will be playing my first matches on sunday back to back against mission and um Rikesa. so yeah uh, a little bit of practice to do until then another event this month experion we had our Two qualifiers now and the full lineup is revealed. The biggest LAN in Germany will return. We talked about this. We make a couple of adjustments and the qualifiers are done. And the first one was won by Todd. And the second one today was won by Don Sinilo, who is the cousin of Francis. So we have our first uh, player from Austria. This lineup is pretty damn sick. It is the best um, lineup we probably ever had with... Todd, Leon, Hippo, and Anxiety, Scars, Don Sinilo from France coming Craft inside. We got Juan in as well, Kevin and Joker in for the Night Elf, and Starbuck is making his way over from Slovenia. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty hype. A lot of strong players. I'm i I'm wondering, I'm looking at this, I'm like, who are the favorites? Obviously Starbuck probably the top seed there. I just I'm wondering like I always look at these things. I'm like, okay, who's who's gonna be the top four? How active is is Krav right now? Krav and Side, I Dude, suppose. How Krav defeated Chemico and Foggy in recent weeks. Oh hell yeah! Let's yeah, go. yeah, let's go indeed. Nice, because yeah, Juan Juan just played Meisterschaft. Todd just played Meisterschaft. We know who the favorites between Juan and Todd would be. Um, and then Todd's going to have to face a whole lot more undeads. Hippo maybe a little bit of a dark horse if he grinds it out. Um, you've been hyping him up recently, but okay. maybe we haven't seen the results from him. I mean, he had he had a 1-2 versus Dice where he, it's on our YouTube channel as well, where he could have actually won 2-1. to one. He failed a Naga Tower Rush against a Warden on EI that crept the green camp first. Um, so that was a little unfortunate or else he would have he beat Dice this week. 
Um, so Hippo, one to look out for if you can if you can grind up some practice. Exactly. Also take uh, like have an eye out for Leon, who is grinding like a madman. Every day I see his stream. I think he's Grandmaster now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's like he's like 2100. He played Lin a bunch last night actually on Lin stream. It's pretty pretty sick. Like he's playing almost 24/7. Oh yeah, that's that's right. Right under uh, Starbuck and. Between Starbuck and 15 Sway on ladder, so that is indeed something. Hopefully, he can uh, translate that to. He's also a Giga Chad, by the way. Like, is that guy a model or something? He's uh, a super Giga Chad. He's a model and an actor. Oh, that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, major major Giga Chad vibes. Go check out his stream, Leon Warcraft Three, I think it is, or WC Three. Yeah, I was like, what the who the where the hell did this guy come from? He should be casting, not me. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a gorgeous man. What what can we say? Um, so yeah, that is of course happening in Cologne once again. If you want to come along, it's May twenty eighth in the center of Cologne. That's a Saturday. We'll start around noon and then just say hi. Uh, we'll get some drinks afterwards, probably at the former uh, meltdown. So just meet us there. Slash will be there with me, Sparta, all the players. Gonna be good. So, um. We come to our questions coming from our Patreons. And the first one is coming from one of the most beautiful souls and smiles in all of Warcraft from Grinchy. He says, in every culture, there's a time frame in which the majority refers to as the golden era. For example, many say the golden era of hip hop was the 1990s. Which time frame was the golden era of Warcraft 3 and why? Any memorable moments of the War 3 Golden Era? Hmm. You want, you want me to go first? Or you want to go first? Because you're going to have a better memory of this. You've been around longer than me. Yeah, you're, pretty, you're a late bloomer when it comes to this. I, My, I have a guess. My guess would be 2007, but I'm not sure because I wasn't around then. 2007. I would have to look up. Like, I always define this via WCGs. That was mm -hmm. made made the biggest Im impression always. I think the very early days are very much romanticized because yeah, there were a lot of tournaments, but they weren't very followable. Um, maybe like, if you were lucky, you had a 160p stream or whatever that constantly crashed. So yeah, we had the battle reports, and at some point we had some replays, but it was cool to explore a scene and to build a scene and to see um, like 2004 for the first time Europeans move over to Korea but for visibility this wasn't that great and so I don't think this really counts as the golden era if a lot of people uh, can't see the games so I would agree that 2007 was pretty insane um it had the Extreme Masters, which was a big tournament with like 50k. That was the first one that taught one. It had an ESWC. It had uh, so a vibrant scene in in Europe with the ESWC uh, with Extreme Masters. It had a, still a crazy Korean scene with NBC Game on television. It had Blizzard involved uh, doing tournaments. You got the rise of China after the success of Sky coming in with the IEF and esports games that lasted forever. And then you had a competitive scene across three different regions, Europe, uh, South Korea and China, 
when you had like the, a crazy strong Creo winning WCG in one of the most memorable moments. You had a Todd competitive, you had a Grubby competitive, but you also had the Moons, you also had the Skies and the Rise of Infian. So I think this was before the stars of the first era declined while at the same time you had the rise of the stars of the second era while you had all three regions um, competitive at the same time and you also had tournaments in all three regions at the first at the same time and you had blizzard involved and active so carson for me you are very much spot on with saying 2007 yeah, for sure. I think, uh, obviously, you pointed out the downside at the beginning of it, and that was uh, visibility for people outside the scene itself. Uh, like, I think, you know, the Twitch era um, is not necessarily golden, but it is unique in its own regard from, you know, 2012 to present day, um, maybe even 2014, from, like, the War Chief Rich days of streaming, you know? Like, those, those years onward twitch era great a lot of people would say you know that's the best for visibility for people being able to watch and enjoy the game that maybe aren't necessarily pro players for communities talking about the game and you know expressing ideas about the game and all that the twitch era it was the best for that but if we're going to define golden era we have to define it by um, amount of money and support in the scene and just player base in general. So, like, even if you just look at the tournaments, like, I looked it up while you were, you were talking there, and it's like all the top tournaments have been in the last, like, five, six years because we have the, the number one prize pool of all time was WCA 2015, apparently, 100K, and then WCA 2014 after that. But if you just scroll down a little bit, like, so many of these top prize pools are 2006, 2007, like all the uh, ESWC. We have a. Uh, just a, a bunch of other stuff. It doesn't say a year for a couple of these. The Game X 2007 was like, I've never even heard of that, but that's like one of the biggest prize pools ever. So like, yeah, Golden Era has to be player base when there's a lot of teams involved and what the, the amount of money, like, you know, can people make a career out of playing Warcraft nowadays? If you're happy, you can. But back then, you know, you didn't have to just be happy. You know, probably the top... 100 200 players could make a living off of warcraft just through saturation so yeah 2007 2006 maybe could be argued 2008 possibly but those three years i think we we're really cooking i also think from a media perspective um, there was a lot of eyes on warcraft of course esl tv featured it big time also in english if i'm not mistaken sk gaming was doing a lot of coverage and media makers was doing a lot of coverage and that was a big chunk of all of esports journalism at the time when there was basically no social media so we have to keep that in mind as well and yeah there was a lot of articles it was also the height of like wc replays for example the forums were very very vibrant uh yeah i would say classic website miss that website exactly shout out to everyone over there uh, i think cool that we say the same year that's not even the biggest argument about it um, well to to add to that maybe what is your favorite year like what do you have the best memories from um maybe not the golden era overarching but for you personally what would you say favorite moment i think with 2009 when grubby won wcg that was just seeing a a venue exploding because someone wins a Warcraft game was surreal that the usually very common collected esports fans in Germany really went super crazy. Um, 
But I also loved this grassroots style in 2004 and 2005 when we were still listening to all the Caspia audio. And there I was only a listener, of course, but part of that community. And the casters were just wild and doing crazy stuff that I don't think would be allowed today. Um, so that was, yeah, there were a lot of great personalities coming out of that time. So exploring the world of esports, um, building friendships to other people in the community, uh, starting to admire some players because of how they played a video game. That was the first time for me, as this was the first esport for me. Um, so I also do romanticize the early days of me joining this community. For sure, yeah. And also just the whole idea you mentioned, you know, the first esport for you, but a lot of it was when esports was really becoming a thing yes. as well with like Brood War and, and Quake being bigger. Maybe it was a little bit past Quake. Maybe we were into the Counter-Strike days for FPS oh, games. Yeah. But still like, you know, past the days of, you know, people just all, like you say, grassroots making their own tournaments to actual, oh my God, there's eyes, there's journalism, there's teams, there's jerseys, there's crowds. It's, you know, just that whole thing is like, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal that it, we've gotten from, you know, lands in people's basements in 99 playing quake to you know arenas full of people yeah. and that was sort of the transition period right there yeah sometimes i feel like it got a little too corporate by now um in mm -hmm. in many esports but that's why warcraft 3 is so beautiful there's not uh, too much commercialized stuff happening we still have a little bit of that grassroots flavor where everybody in the community wants us to thrive and not like back then it was the feeling of we got to make this big and now we got the feeling of we do everything to survive so it's it's kind of a different approach but it's also kind of similar it's a community uh, working towards a co uh, uh, collective goal and that's nice that's cool true we have one more question and then that's it in an extra another extra long episode of the podcast Carson, are you ready Oh, hell yeah. Question for two music nerds with different tastes coming from Nether. What are some bands you both love and why? Hmm. Well, we do... Uh, actually, I didn't do mine last month, but I'll be here this month again. We do playlists every month. That uh, For me, I do what I'm listening to currently. But if you're asking what bands I love... All right, my favorite bands of all time, and you know, I say bands, but you know, artists. It's not always bands because, yeah, yeah. I think uh, when I think of bands, I think of you know, like Led Zeppelin. That's a band. That's a group of people. But then you know, like this singer songwriters I really like. My favorite of all time would have to be uh, LCD Sound System. James Murphy, insanely good producer. It's sort of like electro dance, weird freak music from the early 2000s mid 2000s um lcd sound system radiohead um who i listen to less and less of nowadays but um always one of my favorite bands um angel olsen who's an american singer songwriter those are probably my top three favorite and then like talking heads um has always been a band that's been super inspirational to me they're kind of analogous with lcd sound system they're two very similar sounds um and then obviously all the stuff that sort of those are like my top favorite bands that I like to listen to. I've also been listening to an artist called Alice Phoebe Lou that's becoming one of my favorites recently. So those are my top five. But then all the, the bands that were like inspirationally, inspirational to me, like, you know, the Pixies, Bad Brains, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, Pink Floyd, like all those classic bands that everyone 
likes were very much fundamental, but they're not bands that I listen to every day. But if you were to ask me like what the most inspirational band for me, it would probably be Pixies and Led Zeppelin. It'd probably be those two, but it's not, it's not like on my Spotify all the time. All right. I got two picks here for very different reason than you, I think. First one, um, Anti-Flag. I'm not saying it's the best band of all time, but this was basically my introduction to punk rock music, to faster music, to not really heavier music because they're not that heavy, but you know, just punk rock. Also at the same time, they were broadening my political horizon and socialized me a lot, which is kind of odd that a band has so much power, but if you're a teenager, <laughs> that sometimes happens. Um, so yeah, Anti-Flag opened up the way to stuff like Bad Religion and No Effects, and then that led me further uh, to harder music and to hardcore, which was then a whole different step uh, when it comes to, like tolerating music that is not in charts and stuff. Uh, so I was pretty edgy and punky and everything has to be fast and everything has to be heavy. And here comes the second band that I want to mention, and that is Coheed and Cambria, because Coheed and Cambria showed me that you don't have to be heavy to be really cool. You can also be just very, very, very good. And that tore the walls down of my uh, music racism, I guess. I was so intolerant towards other styles of music. Queen and Cambria tore down these walls, uh, showed me that lighter music can be good, that there is a progressive side to music, um, that there is a more artistic side to music, and that slow songs can be good too. And that then led to my love for emo music, and that led to more love for indie music, and that led to just loving so many different styles of music. Uh, so Antiflag and Coheed and Cambria. Yeah, Coheed, there's a, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before. There's a, the greatest TF2 player of all time who still streams. His name's Banny, B4NNY. Um, just an insanely good, like, moon times three, but for TF2. Like, has won every single tournament for, like, 10 years straight with his team. Uh, he's obsessed with Coheed. Like, he's he's been to, like, their shows, like, 20 times. There was just a cruise, like a Coheed oh, cruise yeah. or something that he, he was on. Um, like, he st he's a full-time streamer. He didn't stream for a week just to go on that. <laughs> um, that's where I sort of know, know Coheed from. Also from RuneScape PK videos. I think it's Coming Home is a really popular Welcome song. Welcome Home, yes. That used to be in... Welcome home. Yeah, it used to be in every RuneScape PK video back in the day. So, uh, yeah, definitely definitely appreciate them for sure. But I haven't listened to too much of them. Don't listen to the newer stuff. It's garbage and horrible. Mm, listen, listening to the old stuff. That's wonderful. Carson, that was your one-hour, 29-minute debut on the Back to Warcraft podcast. Can I invite you back sometime? Oh, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. It's nice not not just to talk to you, Neil, but uh, you know, talk about some uh, some Warcraft topics to give my takes. Because you know, when we're on stream, you try to be you try to be super super positive and professional. You know, you always gotta we always gotta try to do that and you know try to keep the energy up. And it's all really hype, and it's the end of the world, and this is the most important match ever. <laughs> but it's Come nice on. to to roll roll things back a little bit and to be like, okay, you know. Let's get real. Here's our real take. Here's what's going on. Here's what we think. You know, so it's nice to be able to do that. It's nice to be able to do that with you every once in a while. Very much appreciate it, Neil. My, my pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. I always like that 
on streams, we basically wait for a game to start and we don't really know how much time we have to interact with chat and talk to each other. And should we open up a whole new topic? Can we finish that? Do mm -hmm. we have three minutes or do we have 30 minutes? You never know. Shout out to Qbert and Fish. <laughs> yep. for that weekly cup disaster <laughs> matchmaking um, but yeah this is a very good format for this I think guys if you like it let us know click the thumbs up comment tell us was it a good podcast did you enjoy it did you enjoy our dynamic should we do it again with two people or do you like me more when I'm doing this alone or do you want to delete me and have Carson uh, tell you all the news about Warcraft 3 It's all in your hands. No, it's not really. You can't hurt our feelings. <laughs> Say whatever you want. You can't, or at least can't hurt my feelings. Okay, go for it. Go for it. I don't even read the YouTube comments, but I will this time. Go for it. Say whatever you want. Okay. Dig in. This is the one chance, everybody, where Carson is listening and reading your comments. So give this man your feedback in the comments. Also, give us five stars on Apple music and on spotify and everywhere else if you want to support us we have a homepage up back to warcraft.com slash support if you leave out the slash support there's where you find our schedule for upcoming casts and on slash support you get all the links you need to see for patreon for the twitch subs for the donations crypto merchandise and to our beautiful partners that is corsair that give us these beautiful headphones that we can uh, just take everywhere because there's no wires and it works with Bluetooth and stuff. And of course, our new partner in Holy Energy that will uh, release a new flavor this week. It's blueberry cocoa and it's very good. It's right on. It's uh, juicy. It's fruity. It's time for spring and summer. So check out Holy Energy for both of these uh, partners. There's a coupon code called Back to Warcraft for a 10% discount for Holy Energy. That's also Back to Warcraft 5, where you get a 5 euro discount on your first purchase. And of course, no uh, fees for shipping this to you. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, there is a new uh, join button that you can hit and support us uh, that way because uh, you can support us now on YouTube monetarily. There's also super comments that you can enable here on YouTube. Check it out. Just maybe test it if it even works. Who knows if this even works? Uh, so feel free, everybody. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. See you next week.